Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Share. This is, of course, the Fizzle Show. Our mission is to help you do great work, dent the universe, and support yourself doing something that you care about. We run Fizzle.co, where new and used entrepreneurs learn how to create, develop, and grow a personal business in the modern age. Membership costs about a dollar a day for all of the training, support, weekly calls, and webinars. But as a listener, you can try your first five weeks for free on us when you go to fizzle.co slash try five. In this episode, who am I to launch a business? Do I need expertise? I don't really have deep expertise in anything. I'm more of a jack of all trades. Do I have to have any business uh, expertise before starting this business? We've heard this question a number of time, uh, times at Fizzle, and we've asked it ourselves, some of us. Uh, so let's set this record straight and give you some insight about starting a business without expertise. Today on the show, we'll cover these questions. Number one, do I need expertise before I build my business? Number two, if I have some expertise, how do I know if it's enough to warrant a legit business? And number three, can Barrett do a Yoda impression? <laughs> Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 158. But first, a quick message from our sponsor. And I kid you not, this really happened in real life on a real airplane. I'll put a video of him singing in the show notes. Hey, this is Chase. I'm going to read the sponsor this week. It's FreshBooks Small Business Accounting. And I'm here with a real small business person on an airplane heading to Austin. What's your name? Uh, my name is Matt. Matt, what do you do? I'm a singer-songwriter. Now, you mentioned that the accounting, small, like, the bookkeeping part of it is the hardest. What's the hard part about that for you? Uh, just about every part. <laughs> is it like, uh, like, right now, what do you use? Uh, I think I use text edit on my MacBook Pro to <laughs> keep... I'm not, not going to tell you. <laughs> it's that bad. It's that bad. Okay, so Matt uh, plays music all over the world, can't uh, handle his bookkeeping because... It's really difficult to do. Well, Matt, FreshBooks makes that really easy to do. Uh, you you can get a free month of unrestricted access to FreshBooks when you go to freshbooks.com slash fizzle and type in fizzle in the how did you hear about us section. Does that sound good to you, man? For shizzle. <laughs> Thanks, man. You got it. Oh, you guys, right before I pressed record, I had this song stuck in my head. Everything you say to me, it's WhatsApp culture to the edge, and I'm about to break. Wow, it's <laughs> pretty good. It's pretty good impression. I need a bit of sympathy. <laughs> Is that Lincoln Park? That's Lincoln freaking Park, man. I was looking for that song like this weekend in my head somewhere, and now I've found it. It's here. Took me all week to get it. That song reminds me of running on my parents' treadmill in the basement when I was like in middle school. <laughs> Is that where you get your aggressive dancing from? <laughs> just Maybe like, that's, where, that's where it all began. <laughs> just one step closer to the edge. I'm about to break. <laughs> Steph's got like the Terminator. Yeah, yeah, going. yeah. The the the, uh, the fingers are out. They, then she's not pulling into fists, right? She doesn't have arrows like pointers. She has like full fingers out, like straight. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That is like it's like Terminator Two. Mm -hmm. You know. 
hey guys, how you doing? Corbett's in Mexico, Barrett and Chaser in Portland, and Steph is in Chicago. Steph, you're getting so close to your due date for making a human out of your I body. Know. Your body's already been working at that. Yep. And uh, and pretty soon the big reveal, the big uh, you know, the beauty shot. Yeah, I feel uh, I feel painfully aware of that fact at every moment. Mm. Actually, <laughs> yeah, we have one friend here in Portland who's like a, a similar, like basically almost the same due date as you, and so I get to kind of like see. I was like, oh yeah, that's a big belly. <laughs> like, yeah. that baby's large. <laughs> yep. So I get to kind of like feel like uh, I'm a little bit in tune with what's going on over there. Yeah, yeah I don't want to work today. I don't want to work today. I just want to. I want to live my life. So live my life. Hey! Let's live your life. <laughs> yes. But I changed the lyrics a little bit and I made it to live my life. You yeah. see what I did there? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's because it's an important lesson that I, we want to learn. TI is pretty good as a teacher, uh, but I was internalizing the lesson. Yeah, he's a good teacher. Yeah. He yeah is. Sh- he's short. Mm, he's not too short, though. Uh, <laughs> Listen, you just want to make Barrett laugh or, or like feel good, like just just say like the names of hip hop artists. That's all that is. That's all that is. You have that friend that somebody. I feel like everybody has that friend who's like into hip hop. Oh yeah, I'm hip hop guy. <laughs> Barrett comes from the south. He comes from it honestly yeah. in Atlanta. But I remember kids in the Bay Area who were just like, oh, "I'm so into hip hop. I know all the names of the groups," and then they like re- remember lyrics. I'm not. An, I'm not a big into hip hop guy. That's I, okay. There was one Wu Tang album and one Far Side album. That's Those it. Were before my time, my friend. Mm-hmm. Just like the Mask. <laughs> what we were finding out that the Mask is Barrett's favorite movie. Prime time. <laughs> He's like, oh, this is great. I just got an Apple TV. Which, guys, I do have to say, like the new Apple TV is unbelievable. It's like I really like it. I have a computer hooked up to my TV, so I just surf the internet. But the 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 Apple TV is beautiful, and so I was telling Barrett about it. And uh, because you could just go like, hey, Siri, show me uh, sh- show me the whatever, the expendables. And it'll show you all the places that you can watch that. Hulu, Netflix, iTunes, rentals and, and buying and all that other stuff. So you can if you might have subscription to it already or you might just rent it or whatever. And so Barrett got really fired up by that because he was like, man, there's a whole list of movies that I want to see. And before that, we were talking about the mask. So I was like, what? Like the mask? He's like, yeah. And... The rescuers down under, <laughs> <laughs> and I died laughing because <laughs> we always make fun of Barrett for his movie choices because they're always like kind of like younger, you know, and uh, and we're always surprised by it. But that was he played right into it, and honestly, it was a great joke. Yep, it was finally a, I got one. You guys, it's a good one. No, it's a good one because you actually landed it without like laughing first. <laughs> <laughs> Which is terrific. Oh, God, that's good. Hey, before we get into our, our topic today, uh, is there any, you guys You guys uh, have any any new, um, this is uh, Chase Reeves filling in because Corbett's microphone was cutting out. So I'm going to answer as as Corbett. But talking like this, okay? You guys uh, have any, any new um, blogs or podcasts that you're reading or listening to? Oh yeah, I dude, you told me about mm. those wait but why articles about Elon Musk. I read those and they were unbelievable. Oh my god, did did you love it? I loved it. It was so if, great. 
It was amazing. Oh, dude, that was a whole week of Mexico for me. Did you do the last one? The uh, how and why uh, SpaceX is going to colonize Mars? Yeah, I did that one. And then I did the next one, which is like the chef versus the cook. Yep, totally. Yeah, they were both. That one was like the best self-help article I've ever read in my entire no, life. It was so good. <laughs> totally. They're amazing. They're amazing. There's a blog called Wait But Why. And I think it's just it's just like all the like every blog should just stop for like a month. Like no blog posts. And everybody just goes reads what Wait But Why already wrote. Because every article that I have read has been literally brilliant except for one. Which he was like, he does this thing where he's tra tra going around the world traveling and he's kind of like telling you like interesting facts about Russia or whatever. And I like Russia a lot, but it wasn't that great of an article. But everything I've read on that site besides Russia article has been incredible, especially this Elon Musk series, which uh, regardless if you're a fanboy or not, regardless if you know who Elon Musk is, it's a must read thing because I feel like I understand the world and myself so much better after reading that. Another one that I really loved was the religion for non-religious people. I feel like it uh, it helped me it helped me it helped me understand a little more of of the things that I've been thinking. So we're going to put uh, we'll put those in the show notes. Corbett, thanks for sharing that because I'm glad to hear it because I was ranting and raving about it in Mexico when I was down there cuz I was doing the same thing just reading. What are you Barrett? What any, anything new you're listening to or reading? Um, I've been listening a lot to a show called The Long Form Podcast. They interview long form journalists. Yeah. Super interesting. It's all the people with the bylines in magazines that nobody really pays attention to the author, but they're great articles. So yeah, Time and GQ and National Geographic and people writing really intense stuff. It's good. And I have been reading a series on Medium called The Ghost Boat about Eritrean migrants who were- Where is Eritrea? Africa. It's and like North Africa in the Mediterranean? Ish, yeah. Yeah. And they were trying to make it to Italy. And 243 of them just disappeared. They got put on a boat. They had just talked to their families. They didn't arrive when they said they were going to, and they were never heard from again. So this is kind of like wow. an investigative series where the author is encouraging the audience to also pursue leads and try and help like find the story there and figure out what happened. Fascinating. It's like the serial podcast first season, but in text. Wow. Hmm. And Steph, what about you? Anything new? You know, I don't have anything too exciting. I feel like I just got so much going on from the whole um, about to become a parent perspective. I could certainly talk a lot about that, but I won't. Um, I have re-engaged with This American Life. I know everybody, probably everybody knows about This American Life, but... You guys were I like just, broken up for a little while, and now you're kind of, you're like, I don't know, wait, we're hanging out again. Okay. Well, Is that where you're at? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Uh, so we that's pretty much what happened. And part of it had to do with the fact that when it gets cold here in Chicago, I don't walk outside as much. And when I like to go mm. for long walks with my dog, I like to listen to This American Life. And I was just listening. Now that it's like above 40 degrees, I can actually walk outside again. And I was listening to this episode about family physics. And it was so interesting. It took um, principles from physics and applied them to like family dynamics. Super interesting. It just like different stories from the things that happen within people's families and kind of like the I don't know, like the lies and stories that families tell in order to like keep the family together. And Ooh. it's really fascinating. So if you don't listen to This American Life or you broke up with it for a little bit like I did, I just love that podcast. I love that I never know what to expect from it. Our story today in three parts. <laughs> what does it look like to build a business? 
when you don't have a lot of expertise. That's pretty good, actually. That's part one. <laughs> you can't hear it on the mic over there, but I'm like just cleaning things from my teeth. I love it. It's like the Ira Glass lip, sla- lip smack. Just like, our story today. <laughs> That's a little, it's a little exaggerated. <laughs> I'm Ira Glass. Our story today, gas stations and the lives that they leave behind. <laughs> Give them the Kardashians. <laughs> Barrett, just a real, real matter of fact. Yeah, you got to give him the old Kardashian. You know what I mean, boss? Send out the sex tape. Let's get this thing going. That's what the people want. Come on. Hey, I'll sign you up for a sex change right now. No, I'll, I'll do a sex change right now. Come on, let's do it. We got some sisters. Let's start. A, let's start a reality TV show. I don't have enough siblings. So, which brings us to today's topic. Good segue. Uh, on uh, on speaking of speaking of the Kardashians. <laughs> Expertise, expertise, and <laughs> is that am I allowed to say that? Do I, I have to know. do I have to beep that one? You think probably. I'm not gonna be the one to say yes, but yes, yeah. I'm on the fence. Okay, Steph. So what are we talking about today? Let's get okay. into the, let's get into the matter at hand. Let's do it. So uh, I think today's question will resonate with a lot of people because I feel like we get this one a lot and we've talked about it a little bit, but we, I don't know, we haven't really sunk all the way into it. So I'm excited to talk about this one. And it is a question that came from our community in Fizzle. And I liked the title that this person used. He said, if I'm a jack of all trades, do I have any business launching a business? So it kind of deals with this feeling that you have like a whole bunch of different interests. We've called it multi-passionate or multi-potentialate. Um, but the question that he's asking is, do like, who am I to launch a business? Because I'm kind of all over the place. So here's what he said in a nutshell. Um, Hi, Fizzlers. I've been going through the roadmap, which is, we've talked about the roadmap on the show before, but it's essentially our, you know, one-on-one virtual coach through fizzle. And I have been doing the exercises. In a way, these exercises are a slap in the face as I realize more and more that I don't necessarily have expertise in a topic that I could turn into a side project. So essentially, this person doesn't feel that he necessarily has enough expertise in any one thing to to start a legitimate business. Here is what I think I'm good at. He talks a little bit about how he has some expertise in user interface and user experience. Uh, but importantly, he says, I've surveyed my friends and there are several common things I heard. I'm hardworking, always learning, caring too much about what other people think. I am much more of a jack of all trades than actually a master of one. He also says, because I like learning new things, specifically anything tech related, my focus shifts pretty often and I'm working on reeling that in more. So he asks, how do you identify an opportunity in this kind of situation? Is it worth pursuing launching your own business when you feel this way? So I sort of interpreted this question, or I think there's kind of three questions in here that I I thought would be good for us to talk about. The first one is, do I need to build my business around something that I actually have expertise in? Like, is it a prerequisite to being successful in business to have some kind of expertise before building a business? Secondly, even if I have some expertise, how do I know that that's enough to warrant, you know, this like a legitimate, this idea of a legitimate business? Like, do I have enough knowledge to go and start something? And then finally, how can I manage or balance my desire to learn when learning is great, but it can be distracting and it can just be kind of shiny object syndrome from the expertise that I already have. So kind of three questions in one and plenty to talk about. But um, I think this is an important one, especially for people who are just not sure whether they really have enough knowledge to, to turn it into something. Hmm. 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 
What do you what do you feel like where do you feel like start starting up with that, Steph? Let's start with the first one, which is do do we really I mean, let's put a stake in the ground. Do we feel like people have to have an expertise, have some expertise before they start a business? Is that a prerequisite for bus- building a business is having expertise? We have some evidence on that, don't we? Okay, Corbett, Corbett, you you go, you go, you go on, you start on this because you are always going to bring it back to something like, you know, true and real and scientific. (laughs) All right, well, I'll save the science for Barrett because we actually have some uh, research on this from our own community, which is pretty interesting. Um, But I'll just give you the the non-scientific answer from my perspective, which is that you don't have to have expertise. We, this is, this is a lot like when people ask, uh, a question like, um, how often do I have to podcast? And when you look at the data or you just look for examples, you can find podcasts that are very successful that only produce an episode once every two weeks. You can find examples of podcasts that are really successful that publish every day and everything in between. And I think the exact same thing is true of expertise. You can look at expertise and say, uh, you can point to examples where somebody was an expert in something and they created a very successful business. And then you can point to other examples where someone didn't have any expertise at all, uh, like our friend Elon Musk that we were just talking about. You know, he, he wasn't uh, an expert in electric cars and yet he's running the hottest electric car startup ever to exist. Um, and of course, this is a little bit different in a lot of ways because we're talking about solo entrepreneurs usually, um, or very small teams. And so whether or not you have expertise probably matters more because you have to bring everything to the table, not just expertise about your topic, but also expertise about all of the different facets of business and the things that you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to do in, in order to make that business successful. So uh, there's a lot to cover here. I love this topic because I think we can, we can kind of dive into examples on both ends of the spectrum and help people sort of think through if I have expertise, uh, you know, this is the direction I should go. If I don't have expertise, this is how I should go. Um, and, you know, the other thing to think about here is for a lot of people, there's just this simple reality that they have this strong desire to start a business, but they don't happen to have any particular expertise or skills, uh, or they don't have any like really strong expertise or skills. And so one answer, I guess, could be you're screwed. Don't even think about starting a business, but we should be more pragmatic about that because we all know examples of people who have been successful without having expertise to start with. Yeah. I think that last point is, is really, um, is really to me the emotion in this because, because I don't know, you know, you read some posts, you get into some thing, you listen to some podcasts, like, you know, you want to do your own business, but there's this, it's really can be really difficult when you don't know how to do it to come up with a, an idea that you feel comfortable with, not only comfortable with, but like confident about and stuff like that, right? So to me, I feel this like this this struggle of like, I don't know if I should do that or this. And they're, and they're like a bunch of ideas. Maybe there's one or maybe there's like three. And you're just like, I don't know which one of these I should pick. And that's where, to me, Corbett, what you introduced me to, well, before that, it was just kind of like, I mean, a lot of us can, can just fly by the seat of our pants and be like, oh, I think this would be a good business idea or I think it wouldn't. And a lot of the times we're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. And you got like one person that you run it by and they're like, yeah, it'll be great. And then a year later, after you like kind of work in the business idea for a while, you finally come to terms with it like, 
Oh, I see why this isn't a good idea in the first place. It's always going to be hard hard to find this kind of customer who wants this thing but can also pay for it. You know, you just kind of see the flaws in business ideas as as you go. But you introduced me to the topic, you know, kind of uh, decision matrix, which is in our one of our first courses in the Fizzle Roadmap. Um, and that kind of helps you go like, listen, here's, let's evaluate several topics of interest for you to, to, to see which one, uh, or two could be the most powerful as a business idea in your life where you are right now. Um, and that's really, really powerful. In fact, I just read this, uh, this thing, hold on, I have hold on, ITBBL on my, on my, uh, blog, I found this, uh, the, this, article from Ralph Waldo Emerson, which is like the most uh, elegant way of saying like, hey, quit be yourself and do what you're here to do. Like in without any sort of pomp or circumstance, without any, uh, actually with feels like a bunch of pomp or circumstance, but he just assumes this of everyone. And he starts off the article with this. There is a time in every man's education when he arrives at the conviction that envy is ignorance, and that imitation is suicide, that he must take himself, for better or for worse, as his portion, that though the wide universe is full of good, no kernel of nourishing corn can come to him, but through his toil bestowed on that plot of ground which is given to him to till. The power which resides in him is new in nature, And none but he knows what that is, which he can do, nor does he know until he has tried. It's this idea of you have like everybody's born and you get this little plot of land. It's it's your social status. It's like where where you were born. It's it's all of these things that you're kind of born into. And what he's saying is like, just accept that and build upon that instead of envying and imitating others that you see that you you perceive to be way far above or like much better. And somehow, somehow to me, I feel like that fits in this conversation because when I'm thinking of what do I want my business topic to be or my business idea to be, what's so inherent in that is, is who am I? You know, what am I here for? And what will I feel comfortable doing? And what's going to be successful? And what's going to, like, I want to be asked to be a speaker to do this thing. And like, is this going to get me there? And like, are the cool kids going to think I'm cool if I do it this way? All that kind of crap. Um, and, and so this kind of question always brings me back to that fear of choosing that business idea in the first place, which is only partly about expertise. I think, I think a lot of it has to do also with this, like, no, I probably couldn't do this. Right. I don't know, Barrett, what are you hearing? I agree with you in that, um, it's really hard to engineer opportunities like the ones that you were just talking about being a speaker, getting picked or, you know, you're, you're role model being becoming your dad or offering to be your dad or whatever that we always joke about. And I've found that one of the the best ways to prepare to do that is to work as if it's never going to happen. Just to work as if you're pursuing the thing that you're going to do anyways and yeah. that you're going to be good at that. And mm-hmm. um Jim uh Collins oh. Collins of course, that, that would, that's the difference between us. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Uh, <laughs> that is perfect. Oh, man, that's good. I hope everyone else laughed at that, too. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so Jim Collins has this uh, concept called maximizing your return on luck. And, and I like to think of things that way, where if you're out there doing your thing, building whatever you're building, learning what you need to learn, becoming an expert, 
I think you're much more likely to have opportunities come your way because of that mm-hmm. than to go after the opportunity as the goal. And we're getting a little off track here, but I, this is an important point to hit on because I think it's a vote for building expertise driven by your own interests, by who you are, by where you come from, by the assets you already have at your disposal and trusting that the right opportunities are going to come find you and your job is to be ready to maximize the return on that luck mm-hmm. when it comes your way. And I know that's played out in my life a million different ways. Um, but when you build projects that are generous, that are in this kind of vein where you're pursuing the thing that you're, you're leveraging the assets you already have, you're pursuing the thing that's interesting to you inherently, it lights up, it lights you up in a way that other people notice. And you can't engineer that when all you're going for is the outcome there. So that leads me into my point, which I think expertise, if I'm given a choice, either I can go into building a business with expertise or without it, 100% of the time I'm going to pick expertise, without a doubt. Because there's a certain level of expert where you can't, you're, it's actually not functional expertise. You're truly just expert. It's like the professorial expertise where you just teach about it and you pontificate about it. But it's very hard to get to that level and most people never will reach that level. And I think anything up to that, if you want to build a business, is incredibly valuable because it's just an asset. It's a big old asset that you get to put to use. And it's so much harder to both build expertise and build business knowledge at the same time. Well, what's this curse of the curse of the expert or something like that is curse of knowledge? Mm -hmm. What's that? Do you know much about that? So the, the basic idea is as you gain more knowledge, it becomes more and more difficult to remember what it was like before you had that knowledge. Yeah. So I was just listening to a podcast with Elizabeth Gilbert on the long form podcast I mentioned earlier. And she was talking about just in that moment of the discussion, she was realizing how she's even forgotten what a huge risk it was for her to leave her position at GQ writing for that magazine to go on this spiritual journey that led to eat, pray, love, because now she knows everything that happened after that. She knows everything that eat, pray, love would lead to and all of the acclaim and all of the book sales and the tours and all of that. But at the time she was terrified And that's the same thing as the curse of knowledge is you get so far beyond something beyond that beginner stage that you can't even remember what it was like before you had that, that feeling or that, you know, kind of fear at the beginning of something. And so that does, that can be a disadvantage, especially if you're trying to serve beginners, Mm. which I think we suffer from maybe on occasion where it's like, well, we know all these things, but we forget what it's like just on day one when you're trying to start a business. Totally. That's, I mean, the curse of knowledge makes so much sense to me. That's why, you know, we just finished this course on customer conversations. Like I, I, and I just spoke at WooConf about that, this idea of staying close to your audience, not just getting close at one time to learn some things, but staying close to counteract this feeling of the, of the, of what is called the curse of knowledge or almost the curse of expertise. So in some ways, I think, you know, there's this, there's such a thing as too much expertise such that you like, you're not very natural at actually teaching the people who would buy teaching from you or helping the people who would buy products from you or anticipating the needs of the real people out there in the world. And I find that to be what a lot of my life looks like these days as a quote unquote, like I'm who would call me an expert in business? Like only idiots probably, you know, but, but I am a compelling teacher and I'm really heartful about it. Like I'm really like, I really do some research and more than anything else, I know about the emotional journey of the entrepreneur. I probably know that as much, if not more than any other entrepreneur out there that who's trying to teach things as well. 
because that's just my angle on things. I'm all, that's the stuff that lights me up on it. And so for me, this idea of expertise personally has not been something that I've thought about because I can con my way through a lot of things. And because I know that that being an expert isn't what people buy. But what's fascinating about that is you're suffering from the curse of knowledge right now. Yeah. And that you have all of these invisible skills to you yeah. that anyone else would kill for. Yeah. You've got these audio Mustache. production and video production and design. <laughs> all 10 fingers. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> no, please. Uh, just all of these great Two strong skills legs. Yeah. that are just Incredible thighs. Uh, a remarkable... <laughs> Facial, facial structure, cheekbones, honestly, um, mustache that kind of like it tickles the food when you eat it. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's like sort of a brill. Yeah, it's a strainer. Yeah. It's a strainer. How did I get on the same thread as Chase? Well, you're, to be honest, you're just looking at me. Oh, that's true. you know, that's true. So it's hard. Impeccable sense of fashion. No, keep going. <laughs> but you're right. I suffer from this curse of knowledge because I assume everybody can edit the video. And right. edit the podcast and has the audio gear. And, and right. like, I mean, that, that, it takes a and lot look, for that, me to remember that, that. That's really important here when we're talking about expertise. Again, to distinguish between the subject matter expertise and the, I don't know how you would describe it, but the, the functional expertise of the things that you need to be able to do in order to carry out the subject matter expertise. So, for example, our topic happens yeah. to be business, but in order to build the business of Fizzle, there are a whole lot of other things that we have to know to do. We have to know how to podcast. We have to know how to produce videos. We have to know how to um, communicate with customers. We have to know how to operate our business just from the financial and legal standpoint and all that kind of stuff. There are all these other things that go into it that are really important. And, uh, you know, just because of time in the, in the garage or time in the bedroom back when we were 13 or whatever, um, it ends up paying off because you, you build these little kernels of knowledge. And in some areas, you know, if you're teaching, you do have to have subject matter expertise. You can't just become a golf instructor without knowing anything about golf. But in other areas, if you think about, uh, software that we use, for example, like Intercom, one of our favorite tools, or like, uh, Zen Payroll, which is now called Gusto. Those, the subjects that they had to master in order to build a really useful piece of software were probably less important. They were much less important than the skills that they had to have in order to build the software itself. So, you know, learning about how to process payroll or learning about how to help people effectively communicate with their customers was probably a lot easier to get a handle on than it was all of the ability that they had to build over many, many years of becoming really great at creating software and serving customers. Yeah, that's really true. And I think what I hear, what it makes me think of is all of the people out there who know how to do the internet. I know how to create a WordPress website. I know how to write decent enough copy. I, I'm convinced I could do it. I could, I could convince someone of something. I can tweet and do social media and Instagram and stuff. And so I can do all of this stuff. I can build the building, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure I can architect it. I can design some, like the actual content of the building such that like it would turn into a business. Right. I think I was there for a long time thinking about like, well, I can make websites. I can design beautiful stuff. I can create an experience across the web like that, that not very many people can do. But what am I going to do with it? 
you know? And so for me, it was like, well, I can make that for other people. Well, that's a hassle. You know, that you got to work with clients, you got to charge money, you got to all sorts of stuff. I'd rather do my own thing when it's like, well, that's a hassle too. Because uh, then I got to like ask for money for, for on things. And I got to, you know, that's where this expertise question comes in, um, in, in that stuff. So Corbett, back to your idea, I, I think about it in terms of like the architecture of a building and then the construction skills of it. So the construction skills are like, hey, I can work with with podcasts and videos and, and the internet and CSS and HTML and JavaScript and and audio and all of those things. That's construction skills, right? But it's the architect that can make the building actually, you know, withstand a gust of wind or do stuff like that or look interesting or something. I don't know, Steph, what are you hearing over there? Yeah, so I I have something kind of along the same lines of what you're talking about right now. And and for me, I, I just think, you know, it wasn't so long ago for myself that I was sitting at my job, you know, at Groupon before I joined Fizzle. And I was like listening to all the podcasts that everybody's listening to about these people who are making money on the internet. And I was asking myself such a similar question to to the question that we started with, which is like, what am I good at? I know I'm good at stuff, but what could I do that would actually, you know, set me apart? And there's something, there's a an answer from one of the fizzlers um, in the community that I thought was so interesting. And it's from someone named Alan. And this concept that Alan is talking about is like reverberating in my mind as what I would call skill synthesis is like the only thing I can come up with that would kind of encapsulate this concept. It's not just having one skill. It's not saying like, what's the thing that I'm good enough at that I'm so good at that I could be better at anybody else that I can make a living at it. But instead it's kind of like this synthesizing process of a couple different things that makes for a really unique value proposition. So Alan has a great example. He says he's an accountant he also happens to be a stand-up comedian who enjoys presenting. So presumably his day job is in accounting, but he also on the side enjoys stand-up comedy and being in front of a group of people. But he also points out that he hates the, what he calls death by PowerPoint syndrome that tends to happen in accounting. So people get up in front of a room and they have a boring PowerPoint and it just puts everybody to sleep. So he's got a couple things. He has one skill, which is, or I guess, you know, trade, which is being an accountant. He's got kind of this extra interest, which is being a stand-up comedian who enjoys presenting. And he's got something that he's frustrated about, which is that people make accounting so much more boring than it has to be with these PowerPoints that are just not presented well. So he says he his business idea that he's working on is teaching accountants to present in an engaging and exciting manner online and face to face. So to me like that's that's skill synthesis, right? It's I'm an accountant, but I also have this ability to present and I enjoy presenting and I'm really frustrated by something in my field. So I'm going to bring all those things together and all of a sudden you have a really unique and interesting business idea that kind of fuses a bunch of different things that you've been thinking about all in one kind of package, which I think is really interesting. And I think that might be a way for people to think about, you know, what can I, what, what makes me a little bit different than just picking one thing like accounting or stand up comedy. So I think it's interesting to think about how these things can fit together. But he, that guy also has the foundational accounting knowledge. That's a, I, I just, I don't want to get away from the fact that yeah. he does have that foundation and now he's able to combine that with comedy and a specific approach because he's already got that part taken care of. Mm -hmm. um, I want to go back to Corbett's point about the uh, knowing about how to build a business part from the old trusty Paul Graham over there that we always love to quote. This is from an article in 2014. And he says, uh, 
The way to succeed in a startup is not to be an expert on startups, but to be an expert on your users and the problem you're solving for them. We've probably quoted that little passage a million times, but I I can't reiterate that enough. I think that if you can build... Say it again. Hold on. It's not to be an expert in building a startup. It's to be an expert in... in Your customers. Your customers, And the problem you're solving for them. And what I love about that is, you know, you take an example like this accounting and using comedic skills to be a better pre- uh, presenter, it, what he's solving for is a problem that apparently his customers had where they're not engaging presenters on the topics of accounting, which is easy to see why that, that would be the case. But for most people, I think you can allow your customers' needs to drive how you build your expertise. You know, when you hear a need that someone has, if you're going to be a fishing guide in the Northwest or whatever, and you hear people asking you questions, that can drive your research process to start building the expertise along the way. So I don't know that it has to be one or the other, but I certainly know that with something like the accountant or with something like Chase, you know, people spend years and years and years and years building skills, and then they leverage those things to build businesses faster than a person who otherwise has no skills. It's just... Mm -hmm easier to do it that way, I think. Well, and also on top of that, I would say you're pointing out something huge, which is figuring out what frustrates you about the area of expertise that that you're currently in, you know? So finding something, an inconsistency or something left to be desired where you have your expertise can be a great place to start. So you talked about, Barrett, um, letting your customers kind of guide you. In the very beginning, you might not know what your customers, you don't even know who your customers are going to be. So you can start by asking yourself, what's frustrating about being an accountant? What's frustrating about being a UX designer or, you know, whatever the case may be and um, kind of pull on that thread and follow it to see if there's a gap there that you can potentially solve for. Right. But look like this, the, the dream of, of the internet and startups and the reason why people talk about disruption is because you can look at stories like Uber or Airbnb where these young people who weren't like veterans in their space, Travis from Uber wasn't some transportation expert and the guys from Airbnb didn't have experience in, in the hotel industry. And yet they were able to learn about the needs of their customers and that specific topic quickly enough and then combine it with the the functional knowledge that they had or the expertise that they could tap into by hiring people to build an effective business around that topic. And so I, I think it really depends. Again, a lot of the Fizzle members are looking to teach something. And of course, if you're going to become a teacher, then you have to have that knowledge yourself. But if you're just trying to solve a problem for people, either by creating something, maybe creating software or creating some sort of physical product, then that Paul Graham quote that you brought up means so much. And you have to combine that with your ability to tap into the expertise or usefulness of other people in the areas that you would need to bring to bear to to pull that business idea off. Mm. Yeah, and the other thing I'll say is, you know, when we when we talk about Joe Gebbia and the crew over at Airbnb, or we talk about Elon Musk or Travis Kalanick or any of these these people that are running these big startups, they also have the luxury of once they raise enough money, they can go hire the world's foremost experts. So they kind of have a cheat code right. there where they can get around some of that. But I absolutely agree in that there is just some mindset of just kind of hustling through the problems that you find and solving them as you go. 
because that's the way you build expertise. Here's an example of uh, somebody who didn't raise a bunch of money and has done really well. We've brought this this guy up before. His name's Marcus Garvey. And uh, if you go on Instagram, um, he's at Portland on Instagram. He basically was really good at social media, like Chase said. And he was really good at, at creating a, a vibe and a buzz and um, worked his way into figuring out how to acquire the at Portland handle on Instagram, started tweeting a bunch of great pictures of Portland, grew a really big um, following around it, sort of riding on the wave of interest that people have in Portland, Oregon, and then was like, what am I going to do with this? And he decided, well, let's see if I can sell any gear like hats and shirts and stuff that have some sort of Portland logo on it. So he wasn't an expert in in fashion necessarily. He figured out what to do with all this attention once he got it, and he didn't raise a bunch of money to do it. So there are tons of examples of people who who don't have expertise and somehow figure out how to build a business around it. It's not discounting that expertise is useful because inherent in the idea that someone has expertise is that they also have connections. That's the other thing that I don't think we talk about much is if you've built expertise in something over the course of years or decades, you're probably pretty well connected in that space. And those connections come in really handy when it comes time to try to recruit people or to try to find partners or whatever it might be in, in building your business. So expertise is useful. And again, I think because of the nature of the kinds of businesses that people are trying to build within Fizzle, um, Barrett, you did some research just among our community about whether or not people are more successful who start out with expertise. And what did you find there? Yeah, and I'll, I'll start off by saying it's not empirical data, right? But Well, uh, we're not an empire that we would have empirical data. <laughs> it's debatable. It's debatable. Yeah. Um, but I, I, on average, what I found was that people who had pre-existing expertise were able to get successful businesses off the ground much faster. So I always love using the example of Andy Perdue, who was in wine journalism for, well, he was in journalism for years and years. And then he focused his journalistic efforts on wine, covering wine for the Tri-City Herald up in the Seattle area. A little bit of sweet berry wine. They got some of that up there. Yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> sweet berry wine. Uh, oh man, it always reminds me of that documentary called Psalm. That's that's yeah. anyway. so good. Uh, rusty garden ho- garden hose, uh, 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 freshly cut uh, bad intentions, uh, freshly cut garden, freshly cut garden hose, uh, grass everywhere, lots of grass, green, and misspent grass. youth, misspent youth, <laughs> regret, a strong sense of regret in this one. I think it's a Parisian wine. I think it's actually made in Paris. Um. Oh, okay. So yeah, he spent years in journalism, then turned his attention to wine, and then he leveraged that uh, that expertise in wine Barrett, and journalism to build a business. Barrett, let me let me pause you for just one second. I don't want to um I don't want to wreck your newly found Northwest street cred. However, the Tri Cities are uh way east of Portland. They're not up near Seattle. Did he say Tri Cities? The Tri City Herald? Yeah. Is that where that is? East of I, I assume so. If you're talking about the Tri Cities, oh, that's a good question. I don't know, but I think Richland, Cor- Corbett's Kennewick, pulling rank right now. He's pulling some Northwest rank, and frankly, I mean, it's you know, there, there are some people who here. listen to this. The Tri City. We Herald. probably have someone in Richland, Kennewick, or Pasco listening to this <laughs> somewhere. 
in Washington, and I'm not familiar with where. How about that? <laughs> Corbett's line. We probably have someone from Kennewick. Somebody. Oh my God, that's great. If you're from one of the Tri City areas, literally, if you're from any Tri City area, you know, there's a lot of Tri City areas. That's Please true. just uh, comment over at the, at the show notes. So many. So Andy Bertou had expertise in wine before he got started mm-hmm. in the thing. Yep, indeed. Uh, love talking about Dave Stewart too. He's you know taught for a number of years before he went into business teaching teachers about the common core. Mm-hmm. And now he trains on better teaching methods and really engaging deeply with students. Um, Claire Pelletro spent years getting direct Facebook advertising experience working for another company before she, or for a number of startups actually, before she went out on her own to teach it to other people. Mm-hmm. You know, if we look at our team, Corbett spent years and years trying to run startups and and working on building businesses outside of this space we're in now. I spent three years busting my tail trying to figure out how to make something work. You know, and what a tail it is. What a tail it is. Yeah, that works on two levels. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I just think that as we, as I was doing these interviews, it was compelling to me to see that many people who had built businesses that were working well and that got off the ground quickly, especially those were the two key factors, often had pre-existing expertise going into launching that business. And then they improved on it over time, of course, because you can't help that when you're running a business. Yeah. I'm toying around with an idea in my head right now after hearing what you guys have been saying. Okay, so listen, some people have expertise, right? Let's uh, I don't know what the percentage of people that that have expertise out there are, but I remember people signing up for Fizzle who are experts in post-traumatic stress disorder or like all of the stories you just mentioned. I'm I've got a lot of experience in teaching or in doing Facebook advertising. I have a lot of experience in wine world and as a journalist, I have a lot of experience as a teacher. Um there are people who have expertise, and in some ways this question really isn't for them, right? Cuz you know what you're going to do your thing on. Or you want to switch gears. And then in, in, in that case, you're in the same boat as the rest of the people who don't really have the, you know, quote unquote expertise or the felt sense of expertise to just dive in and go like, I'm going to teach you how to do this, or I'm going to build this business, or I'm going to do this, that, or the other. So the reason why you're worried about expertise, I don't know if this is true yet, but this is what I'm thinking. The reason why you're worried about expertise is because you're fundamentally focused on imitating someone else or some other kind of business. Whereas, if you did it a different way, you wouldn't be worried about expertise because you would be doing it your way from the start. Let me, hear me out on this. Um, we were talking about, Steph, you were talking about mixing two different ideas together. Like, well, I'm, I'm a stand-up comedian, but I'm also, by day, I'm an accountant guy. So I'm going to combine these together and come up with this very interesting, unique idea. There's not a lot of competition in the how to be an effective presenter as an accountant space, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of either of those, how to be an effective accountant, how to be an effective speaker, but not a lot of those two connected t- together kinds of things, right? So you're in a different boat. It doesn't matter if you're an expert. You're the only show in town. Do you know what I mean? So if there's people looking for that, they're going to find you, hopefully. That's the dream. And, and going back to what Corbett said, the whole dream of the internet that, that, built, that brought us here is that like you don't have to have expertise to start up something that you don't have to spend five years somewhere working some dead-end job to one day get a promotion, right? Uh, I guess that makes it not a dead-end job. But you know what I mean. 
And that's important. So the, the point of the internet is like, hey, you think you're an upstart. You think you're quite the rapscallion. You think you're a man about town or a lady ready for a coming out party, doing the thing. Show yourself, woman. Let's see what you're like in high society. Right? This is the internet. You can you can hang a shingle on a website, Squarespace, get it for, you know, $8 a month or some shit. Right? I feel like I wish I could do like Jeff Bridges on this. You know, everybody wants to, you know, start up a website now, man. And I think that's great. You know, I all everybody's getting everybody everybody thinks so uptight about this, man. <laughs> Gave the dude a beeper. Oh man, my thinking has gotten so uptight about all this. But but because we're focused on imitating something else that already exists, what we're saying to ourselves is, well, I can't do Pat Flynn because I'm not an expert in the thing. Well, Pat wasn't an expert in the thing. He just started up a website and like fiddled with it and got it to work over the course of a year or two. Then he started writing about like, here's how I got that to work. And now he's an expert because he talks about what, what he did to get it to work. This is the path of expertise. And this is the dream of right now that we don't have to sit and listen to, to academics who've forgotten about teaching uh, the regular people. Because they just want to sit in a room full of people who've read all the books you have to read and know all of the inside jokes and references that you have to know to be an intelligentsia, right? And then they go like, okay, this uh, we'll invite him to the club and, and 50 of us will be glad that he's there. All right, but not, not the regular people, no. The internet is the regular people, man. And that means people who are into sneakers. You know what? Honestly, if you're into sneakers, like that's fine. That's your thing. It's a, not a cool thing to be into. I'm going to come out on the record and just say you shouldn't be into sneakers. Oh, dude, <laughs> you're, you're stepping into I a do hornet's not, nest there. I do not. The sneaker heads are Yeah, they're going to come after you. you. They're coming. I love how all three of you are, are aware of the sneaker heads out there, which it's fine. It's fine. I mean, some people, they they never seen a Rothko or something before, and so they get hung up on Nike. I get it. No, I'm them playing a character, but I kind of believe it. There are some pretty shoes out there, guys, but come oh, on. Let's be honest. Trump. He's walking it back. Listen. <laughs> walking it back. I will build a wall. So pretty. It's such a beautiful wall. Oh, it's so easy. So easy. I'm going to have Mexico pay for it, and there's going to be just gross sneakers all across the top. Just <laughs> sneakers all the way. And Bernie comes in, and he's just like, I don't understand why we're talking about sneakers when the banks... <laughs> I'm just yelling and parents shaking his head. It doesn't work when they can't see you. Because <laughs> I guess the only, the only thing that works about the Bernie is I'm shaking my hands. I'm fucking shaking my hands. But oh, this idea amazing. to me is the internet represents like you don't have to be an expert, right? To build a community. To me, the dream of the internet, the, the reason why Fizzle today is as important to me as it ever was is because the, 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 the idea of a small and profitable business about some queer, quirky, weird like niche that you dig that's that's the sh that's the shit, man that's what this whole thing's about and so expertise yeah if you want to start up like uh you know how to be the best teacher or how to be the best wine or how to be the best thing where you need expertise that's because you're dealing in the in the old world and like stuff that exists the internet for me and the future of of, of independent business the thing that's so exciting about it is making that doesn't exist yet you know, you get to compete in a place where there's no competition. And that's exciting because I, I, I don't know, because there's no bosses because you don't have to look at the competition and go like, well, what are they doing? Maybe I should start doing that. And that's what and because you can you can do things that matter to you a hell of a lot more, you know. My, OK, so 
I hear you. I agree. The internet's amazing. We talk about it all the time. It's a great tool. I just like, don't understand why most of us aren't on the internet. I'm working on a little tagline that's like, Fizzle is really just for uh, for ordinary people doing extraordinary things using the internet as their superpower. There because you go. it is a superpower. It is. And um, I'll also say that if you're going to be in the thing that you're going to do for 20 years, for 30 years, for 40 years, for however long you're going to be in the thing that you're choosing, why wouldn't you build expertise? Why wouldn't you go in on it and get good at it yeah. and be deliberate about it and seek out the little corners of the topic that most people don't ever even care to explore because it, just because we should expect that of ourselves. We should expect creative excellence. We should expect to be intellectually curious. We should expect to be uh, interesting and interested in the thing that we're talking about because we can, yeah. you know? So for me, it's kind of like, don't let it hold you back. Don't let it stop you from starting. And also be a professional. Go get yeah. good at something, you know, do something long enough right. that you're and, better than most and people. That, mm -hmm. And that's the common thread in all of the really big case studies that we've brought up. If you think about Uber, Airbnb, Tesla, um, whatever, those companies have all become the world's best at whatever they set out to solve. And they only do that by becoming the world's most whatever expert experts in that thing. And I think a lot of people are just lazy about it. People want to start a business. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start a business about health and fitness, but they don't aim to break any new ground. They don't aim to go where no one has gone before or to solve problems in a way that haven't been solved before. And so their businesses never get off the ground. They're never noteworthy or useful enough to give people a reason to choose them versus the other existing businesses that are already out. Well, here's something like, Im important too. So let's just go back all the way to the beginning of the conversation. Our second question to be answered, I feel like we're answering it now, which was, even if I have some expertise, how do I know it's enough? And Corbett just made a great point, which is that, you know, you're probably not going to know that it's enough. You probably aren't going to be able to tell that in advance. We talk all the time on this show and in Fizzle about how everything in your business is a hypothesis. And they're just, I think that looking for that certainty that you have enough expertise or that you are positive that you're going to be breaking the mold. I don't know that any of these companies that we're talking about necessarily, I mean, I'm sure Uber was not sure whether or not this was going to work. They just had to take the expertise they did have, talk to their customers and just start. So I feel like that's a big point we're hitting on too, because I don't want people to take away from this, like, well, I don't know if I have a novel enough idea. That's not really what we're saying. What we're saying is make sure, you know, if you've got some expertise, that's enough to go ahead and get started and keep learning and care enough to make a difference in the space that already exists, instead of sitting there and hemming and hawing and asking yourself, do I have enough to get started? If you have some expertise, you can build on that and it is enough to begin, I think is what we're saying. I love that. I love that. Cal Newport, uh, interesting guy. He's written a couple good books. Uh, he, he wrote a book called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And in it, I, this was like the best way I've ever heard passion talked about because he basically just blew it up and said, if you had a dartboard, and for every little piece of the dartboard, you know, every little colored square or rectangle or whatever, you had a topic you could pick to become passionate about. Yeah. And you threw a dart, you'd be just as likely to become interested and good at that thing as any of the other ones, that it's not really about picking uh, a given thing so much as it is about picking any given thing yeah. and then focusing on it. Because as we get better at something, as we learn more about something, we see the nuance in it, we become more interested and intrigued by it. Yeah. And I love that because that means that no matter 
how much expertise you have. If you just pick and you spend the next three or six months obsessed with that thing, a couple things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to get better than most people at it, which was this concept of a site that Corbett started a while ago that I'll let him talk about. And then the second is that you're going to become more interested in it because you'll understand it better than most people. And the great thing about it is in the worst case, as long as you don't quit your job today Mm. because you've got this brilliant idea that's going to change the world, you will have spent three or six months learning the nuances of a new topic that you knew nothing about before. And you're going to be better at it than most people. And you're going to appreciate that topic even if you decide this is not the thing I want to concentrate on. And the only key is don't do that too many times in a row because you only have so much life left. Hmm. Wah, wah. <laughs> well, that's usually that's usually your line, Corbett. Life is short. You know, don't waste any time. It is. It is short. So I had. Uh, it, it, what's exciting about that, guys? We're all going to heaven. And I just found out the other day. I got the email. You got the news. So you don't have to worry about anything. Just enjoy yourself. Good. Uh, I have uh, three things written down here. A list of three things that you can do if you don't have expertise, but you want to build a business on a certain topic. And maybe, maybe you guys can add to this. I don't know. Maybe there are some other things, but there were three, three, three methods that you could follow basically to get a business off the ground on any topic where you don't have expertise. The first option was to learn as you go and just to build the expertise yourself. And in doing that, you kind of have a choice to make. Either you spend enough time becoming an expert before you launch so that you are then an expert or you can follow the whole leading learner or fake it till you make it kind of approach where you're learning as you go and you're just being transparent about that. The second approach is to partner with someone. So maybe you're a really talented software developer and maybe you want to get into payroll processing, but you don't know the first thing about payroll. So go find a payroll expert or vice versa. Um, so partnering with someone is a great way to make up for expertise that you don't have. And then the third method would be to choose a topic where either there are no experts yet because it's a really new topic or the amount of expertise that you can gain on topic is just very shallow for some reason. There's just not a whole lot to learn. And maybe the way that you're going to innovate is in your process or your technology or the way that you care for the customers or something else that is a layer on top of the subject itself. I think a great example here is um, Nest with their thermostats, right? They they took something that there probably isn't that much to learn. You can probably learn all about thermostats relatively quickly, but then they layered on other things that made it uh, much a much better experience for people than they were used to. Which was the whole like being an expert and how your customers need a problem solved piece. Yeah. You know, Tony Fidel brought his design experience from Apple, learned what he needed to learn about thermostats, and then learned what the experience of thermostats was in homes for the customer, and then said, well, we're going to fix this and we're going to blow it out of the water because Honeywell has been screwing this up for hundreds of years. Or how long they've been around. <laughs> oh, listen, I've been installing Honeywell system for a hundred years, man. Those guys are so bad at what they do. Man, you will never believe it. You will never believe it how bad they are, man. Oh, man. The Honeywell character. That could be a good one for the uh, next fresh. Oh, man. I've been coming into houses. I've been putting in Honeywells, man. You ain't never seen nothing like this before. My cash flow statements look good, though. What? <laughs> what? Where did that come from? <laughs> the Honeywell installers. Oh, like, shit. They're yeah. Bad at, they're bad at what they do, but they pay oh, the bills. These things cost about a dime. They cost about a dime. I put them on for 150 bucks. Yeah, they're going to be warm in there, but it's a 
to try to keep it cool and it was summertime. You try to change the temperature on that guy on them things. Man, it's a nightmare. I'm telling you what. <laughs> you ain't never gonna believe it. <laughs> I've got in my head Jesus from Lebowski. Yeah, I heard Nobody I heard just a little bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't never gonna believe this, man. I'm coming for you. We were gonna f you on Saturday. <laughs> we'll f you on Sunday instead. Okay, man. That's right. I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. Oh my God. <laughs> I've been Corbett Barr. Oh, I can't take it. I've been Barrett Brooks. Get us out of here. I've been Steph Crowder. And we'll see you there. Or we'll, we'll see, see you another, another time. time. So there you have it. Thank you so much for the forum thread that started all this, Valera in Tampa, and all the other Fizzlers who contributed there. You can find show notes for this episode at fizzleshow.co slash 158. That's fizzleshow.co slash 158. I've put all of those uh, links and articles that we talked about in the very beginning. The Wait But Why articles. If you haven't read those articles on Elon Musk, just do it. It's They're so great. Regardless of Elon Musk, they're just such a great reading experience. Okay? Fizzleshow.co slash 158. Here's an iTunes review from LK Waspswatter in the US of A who says, Don't stop believing. This podcast is one of my favorites, and I'm always looking forward to the next episode. The crazy antics mixed in with the incredible words of wisdom seriously make me ponder what I want to do with my life. You guys always leave my mind churning. Please don't stop. Aw, thank you, LK Wasp Swatter in the USA. You know what? We can't stop. We won't stop. It's like swatting wasps. You know what I'm talking about, LK. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day, honestly, to leave us a review. Uh... It helps spread the word about the show, and frankly, it, it just makes me feel good. So, thank you. You also can like can make Chase feel good if you leave us a little review in iTunes. I, I would read it. I read all of them. So, if you want to make me feel good, I mean, I'm sitting here just kind of, you know, I'm starting to get sad again. You could you can help me get get happy. Leave me an iTunes review. You know, sometimes the things in your life, the advice and the responsibilities, they just bring you one step closer to the edge and you're about to break don't break you're not alone find care take care serve hard and dig in thanks and i'll talk to you next fizzle friday <laughs>